Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to a Fremantle Australia podcast recorded at the Sydney studios. And a warning, this podcast contains adult themes and explicit language. So tell me, tell me, tell me, I need to know, how did it happen? What did you do? Oh, tell me, tell me. I've got all forever to tell you this, I just need to know. My name is Julia Robson. I'm a private investigator and you're listening to Chasing Charlie. It was now 2016, and I had been on Charlie's trail for five years. He'd been conning a staggering amount of people out of thousands and thousands of dollars, borrowing money he knew he would never pay back, making false promises to lovers, taking money for work and supplies he had no intention of doing or providing, using fake documents, creating fake identities, using other people's identities, or by any other method he could drum up to get his hands on what did not belong to him. An avalanche of scarred women who had had their hearts stained from his toxic version of shallow romance lay strewn all over the world, and now, having ripped off her family, he had just landed in France with his third wife, the young and extremely vulnerable Lily and their infant child. Caught up in the bubble of a fantasy, Lily had created social media accounts of their travels, coined as Meet the Freemans. She was posting happy snaps from their various European holidays and current resting place in Antibes, France. This was a breadcrumb trail for me, and I was prepared to follow it wherever it led. Their fantasy of a holiday lifestyle disappeared as money started to run out and Charlie was in desperate need of some revenue and a place to call home. For people travelling on a budget, a great way of exploring the world is to stay with host families, working and generally helping around the home in exchange for food and accommodation. This type of travel has gained massive popularity with the explosion of online sites like Workaway and HelpX all operate on the basis of trust. It was an opening Charlie could not resist. As an all-round tradesman, working as a handyman was the ideal opportunity. Direct access to other people's homes and lives was an open invitation to the candy store. But there was one small problem. He didn't have any tools. I'm coming up 65. 87 and he's uh, he's had a few strokes so he's a little bit slow on the uptake 
and 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 also being 87, he's a little less physically able than he was. He used to be a, a an analytical chemist, I guess you'd call them. And I trained as a psychiatric social worker and then went on to work with all sorts of voluntary organisations, ended up managing care homes and that sort of thing in England. And then 15, 16 years ago, we decided we would like some better weather and came home to live over here. Hazel and her husband had a beautiful little cottage that they needed help renovating, and she'd started advertising on the HelpEx site. Browsing through the list of workers, she'd come across a glowing profile of Charlie and decided he would be the perfect person to help fix up their cottage. But he said he was a member of this, that and the other and a and so on, which none of which was true, but I only found that out afterwards. We had some phone conversations and a little bit of email conversation, and we, ag- we agreed that he could come over here toward the end of June and work for a bit, on, basically on the HelpEx system, and see how things went. But he actually turned up a week early. He gave long sob stories about how he hadn't been paid. He always, I suspect, comes with sob stories about how dreadfully they've been treated. He produced a glowing statement about who he was and what he could do. I just thought, oh, they, they look, you know, they look exactly like the people we could really do with here. And I knew from the moment he arrived that um, it was going to be a problem because he, you know, you, you see him and you think, uh-oh, who punched out his teeth then? <laughs> this is a perfect example of how Charlie's scams had adapted over time. His dashing looks and easy charm had faded with age, and his latest potential victims were finding him rather intimidating at first glance. But when they saw his much younger wife and the young child in tow, they tended to take pity on the family and would convince themselves Charlie could be trusted. When Hazel and her husband had brought their property many years ago, they had envisaged a lot of renovation work ahead and had opened an account at the local building suppliers. When he first arrived, Charlie had asked to go there with Hazel and listened with unnecessary intent as she told the cashier her account details. The first couple of times I went with him and they gave me the receipts and all the rest of it. But then he started going on his own. He must have told them he had my authority to buy things. They let him. So he was buying things on my account and it was only after he'd gone that I got the bill to pay showing all this huge amount of stuff he'd bought. Hazel may not have known that at the time, but even so, it wasn't long after Charlie and Lily arrived that she started to realise things were not working out as she'd hoped. I went over there to see what he'd done. Let's suppose it was about three weeks, but I really can't be sure. And I looked around and he hadn't done anything like the amount that I thought could have been done in the time that he'd had. So I was a little concerned then, but but then he started saying, you know, he'd got the wrong materials and he needed this and he needed that. So I sort of thought, well, you know, this guy's... And he kept on complaining about the fact that French shops for buying plumbing materials are nothing like New Zealand shops and all the rest of it. And I was sort of thinking, but you've already done some work here, you know, because he said said originally that he'd um, spent a long time in France prior to coming back here this time. Then I discovered he was actually at a shop and he said, two, what's two in French? You know, un, deux, trois. I thought, um, hang on a minute, just how long has this man spent in France? <laughs> so things started to not add up. He, he was doing less and less work, if that's possible. 
um, I was beginning to get very concerned because any any time that I went over to to, to see what was going on, they weren't there. Uh, what was happening around the eight weeks? He was he was um, he was telling me that he was looking for somewhere else and would be moving on, but mm. he didn't actually tell me he was going to be on his way until ten minutes before he left. He had, as I said, he'd he'd gone through all our stuff in the barns and the outhouses, and had just taken everything that he thought, presumably everything he thought could be useful uh, in his next job, as well as the stuff that I didn't know about that was in the um, uh, from, from, taken from the builders' merchants. So uh, he said, "Yeah, we're going in ten minutes," and he gave me some stupid story about he was he was going. They were going to go up. It changed every second his story, and then it changed again, and it changed again, and it changed again. And I just thought, mm. I, so I said, "Well, give me the keys to the um, to the renovation, and I'll go straight over there. And uh, um, I, I need to go over there because um, I've got to get something." And his and Lily's face was an absolute picture. They, you know, they, they, they just sort of their faces just dropped to the ground. And I thought, oh, you know, what, what on earth is going on here? Uh, and I went scooting over because by that stage I, I got really quite concerned. And they'd packed up everything. I ha- you know, I, I hadn't realised they'd left the they'd left the place fully open, doors open, lights on, windows open. Uh, packed up everything, hidden all my electrical gear, which I found and managed to grab most of it before they grabbed it. And uh, they were clearly going to just sort of pack it and go off. Um, uh, so that was why they were pretty cross. <laughs> yeah. uh, and like I said, when they did, they turned up sort of, you know, ten minutes after I'd got there. And that's when I just we, we just watched somewhat helplessly as they as they loaded our stuff into their car. We actually watched him load up our tools onto his car. We said that's ours, and he said no. And we said that's ours, and he said no. And my husband, of course, he hadn't grasped what was going on. I had my camera, but I didn't have my phone with me, so I couldn't ring anybody. And and he had he can be rather intimidating. So he drove off with with all our tools. Then I discovered that he'd been buying stuff as well. Now remember, Hazel is in her mid sixties, and her husband is in his late eighties. They'd managed to strip all the the braid off the chairs, brand new upholstered chairs. The kitchen was in a disgusting state. The fridge was in a disgust. Freezer was absolutely disgusting. You know, it was just awful. And uh, yeah, they never did return the keys. So, uh, or the, the 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 mattress. You know, the usual, just just pretty unpleasant. That's one of the things that's so enraging about Conmen. It's often the kindest, most trusting people that get targeted, and Hazel was no exception. It was one of her previous acts of kindness that had inadvertently led to a huge leg up for Charlie. While he had been at Hazel's, Charlie had claimed he needed to renew his passport, and Hazel had paid the online renewal fees on her credit card. Sensibly, Charlie had paid her back, no doubt realising how important it was that this transaction was hassle-free. What Hazel didn't know was that she had just paid for his new identity. Hold up, what was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As a Kiwi fugitive living abroad, Charlie had been living under multiple aliases for some time. But he was still legally Paul Brian Gill. This was a sticking point. He had now been exposed numerous times after several victims had started to dig a little deeper into his identity. Charlie's first attempt at officially changing his name had been when he was in Australia and seen Emma. Remember the documents she had filled out for him? The ones I said to remember in the last episode? Well, this is why. That first attempt at a new passport and a new name had failed when the embassy turned down Charlie's application. There was still a warrant out for the arrest of Paul Brian Gill in New Zealand. Good enough reason to decline any request for a name change. But five years later, Charlie was still holding on to these exact same witness documents. And with Hazel having made the online payment, Charlie sent these to the New Zealand Embassy in the UK. And somehow it worked. The Embassy in London sent Charlie a brand new passport in his official new name. It was a complete and utter oversight on their part. But for Charlie, it meant he was now travelling with a completely clean slate. Charlie, birth name Paul Brian Gill was now legally Leon Charles Freeman. It was sent to him a care of here as Leon Freeman. And it was, that was the um, uh, New Zealand embassy in London, round about the 17th of July. So when he applied for the, via the New Zealand embassy in London under Leon Freeman, they didn't know. I mean, I, I was amazed at how easy it was for him to get a passport, frankly, because he didn't need this photograph signing by anybody. Likely because he was using all the paperwork Emma had filled out from five years ago. And I have later found that Border Control were aware of his two identities, but incredibly his convictions hadn't been transferred between the two names. So this request didn't set off alarm bells as it had done previously. Massive oversight. Massive. But what's also interesting is that um, the Inland Revenue, New Zealand Inland Revenue, must have known that Paul Brian Gill was here. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Okay, this is dated the 30th of October last year, uh, and it's addressed to Mr. Paul Brian Gill, care of... Uh, our reference, blah de blah. Uh, I need to speak with you in order to discuss your inland revenue accounts. <laughs> you may email us and blah blah. That's it. That's all it says. Um, and uh, I thought, oh, oh, that's interesting. But how on earth? Why on earth did he give his real name and our address? Already suspicious, she took action. I reported oh. him to immigration, and I reported him to the police, and I reported him to I reported him to 
uh, British immigration. Uh, don't know about Australian because I didn't didn't know then that there was a, a sort of Australian and, and, and New Zealand immigration. Hazel is a pretty internet savvy person herself. She is also a host on the HelpX site, and as such, she was able to leave online warnings to others about Leon. Gradually, awareness about his duplicitous nature was starting to spread, just not quite fast enough. I think I'll be a lot more circumspect ne- next time. And we've had some wonderful HelpXers here. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think always always ask for references, always ask to see... Um, Passports always ask for confirmation of when they claim to be a registered plumber or a, uh, so on and so forth. Because he always he told wonderful stories about he'd um, built furniture for the Lord of the Rings um, filming and so on. There was no evidence to back these statements up. <laughs> have they been in contact with you at all since they left? Yes, they have. Um, they've been in contact to tell me to, to, just to send me cross letters about. Um, how can I prove that what they took was was mine and that sort of thing and that I must leave a, a wonderful one um, saying that I must leave a, a before they return the tools <laughs> and the keys um, I must leave them a glowing reference on Helpex oh goodness sake which I thought was an absolute hoot so I actually do have evidence that they yes they did take tools with stolen tools and few other possessions, Charlie took his family somewhere familiar and headed back to the French Riviera, the same place he had taken his previous wife and children seven years earlier, the same place he had scammed his way around before a local newspaper outed him and he'd skipped town. This time, though, he had no luck at all. He tried his timber scams again, but people were onto him. He even had the bare-faced cheek to try and sail off in a catamaran with promises of later payments. Luckily, no one was blindsided enough to fall for that one. By August 2017, with nobody taking the bait, Charlie had reached desperation point. With nowhere to live and no scams on the go to finance his lifestyle, Charlie needed to turn things around fast. Off the family went to try their luck in southern Portugal. Much like the French Riviera, Portugal's Algarve has a tight-knit community of expats and social networking there was thriving. Charlie decided to announce his arrival into the area on their local Facebook groups. This is the post he put up. It's a great example of how he'd start to draw people in, appealing to their heartstrings and almost daring them to prove what kind and caring people they are. Hi all, I'm searching for encouragement that my move to your beautiful region is going to be a good and happy one with my family. I'm about as far away from my home country as you could be. I'm a perfectionist and after nearly 35 years in the business, I truly believe that I can bring some peace of mind to one and all that have had such horrible experiences. My aim is to bring back a professional service, honesty, integrity and good hard work value for your hard-earned money. I believe that a man's word is gospel. Bring back the old way. It works. Unfortunately, Charlie's glowing reference for himself worked. You're about to meet Yvonne. 
It was only after Charlie had screwed her over that I knew about her. In fact, it was through Yvonne that I had found out Charlie was in Portugal in the first place. I was still following the complaints about Charlie from historic online threads and I'd seen a post from this lady called Yvonne, a British expat who had moved to the Algarve for a fresh start to her retirement. It took Yvonne a long time before she would agree to talk to me at all. She was really dubious, wondering if I was actually a real investigator rather than just another made-up alias operated by Charlie. I can't say I blame her. Before Yvonne met Charlie, she was already going through difficult times after her home had been burgled. Um, they took so much stuff, it was unbelievable, but I was burgled by the person I bought the house off and two of his friends. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I gave them back to work. Unfortunately, um, the insurance company wouldn't pay out because apparently I didn't have the best insurance company. And I replaced all my stuff, unfortunately, after replacing everything. And um, I got burgled again. And again, the insurance company wouldn't pay out. The second time, they took uh, windows out as well. They're obviously using um, the, the glass and the, the frames. Um, and so I tried to go through my building's insurance because I had building insurance. And they turned around and said, no, we're not paying out. <laughs> and, and because there's a language barrier, it's really hard. I had to end, I ended up um, hiring a barrister because she spoke English. She was, obviously, she was Portuguese, but she spoke English as well. Um, and um, we didn't get very far. That's kind of where things went a bit, went very pear-shaped because couldn't afford to replace it again. Some people came back and took the rest of it, like they they actually took the kitchen sink out. (laughs) They took all the taps, they stole all the showers, Um, they took um, the metal things off the hob, Uh, they took the beds, um, yeah, well, and and this is kind of where the lead up to Leon came in because um, it had affected me badly, more than anything, because on the wall there was a picture of my mum who has who had passed away. Um, the picture was gone. It was like kind of like my mum's inheritance as well had all gone into this house. And every penny that I had had gone into buying this property. Yvonne had moved out of her home and was staying with friends while she tried to find someone who could fix the damage. Charlie offered to do the job in exchange for accommodation and the cost of materials. He asked for £5,000 up front to cover everything needed. In honesty, Yvonne really couldn't afford to pay that kind of money up front. But after Charlie's insistence and the rationale that he was arriving at the property before she was, she reluctantly wired him the cash. So, so I'd got, um, I'd got some. I'd been, I'd been given some money that um, was to come to me, and that is why I had a little bit of money that I could pay Leon to do or. Peter Paul or Joe, whatever he's called, um, to do some work on the house. In one foul swoop, 
Charlie had money in his pocket and a roof over his head. I think this is what kind of makes it worse because I thought I was a fairly good judgment of character. Having said that, had I ever met him before um, there was any involvement, my opinion would probably change. But when you speak to somebody either through text messages or on the phone, um, it's, it's, it's a different ball game. Obviously keen to see the headway Charlie was making, Yvonne went to have a look as soon as she could. Peering into her own house, she could see that nothing had progressed. No, when, I, when I got there, absolutely nothing was done. So what did he do? The only thing that was done was he'd taken the bed out of the bedroom and put it in the lounge. You have to pass my neighbours. You have to pass theirs on the, on the way out. And they would watch them go out and, she, and, and, and they'd go out about nine, ten o'clock in the morning and they wouldn't come back till about nine o'clock at night. They pre-warned me because we spoke on the phone um, and they pre-warned me. They said, they're not doing any work on your house. They're going out every day. And that's obviously what they used my money for because there were no materials there. Can you imagine? Not only burgled twice, but then kept out of your own home by the very person you have paid to get you back in. God, he just sinks lower and lower. Well, according to my neighbours, um, they beg for money. Well, they beg for food and for money, but they said they'd had, they had no uh, milk um, to feed, the, uh, no milk or food to feed the baby. And their attitude was, well, we can't let a baby starve. So they give them food and milk and they give them money. And he'd say, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. Um, I promise I'll pay you back. Don't worry, you'll, you'll get paid back. And, and it never happened. One of Yvonne's neighbours was a Norwegian man called Jens, who Charlie owed a small amount of money. The water supply to Yvonne's house came from Jens, and he had warned Charlie that if he didn't pay him back, he'd turn it off. It was quite funny, really, because someone uh, has a long veranda, and I was sat at the table at the end of the veranda, and, um, of course, when he comes back and there's no water, he comes running down to it. And they're having this conversation at the end, the other end of the veranda. And um, he's saying, no, I, you know, I told you, if you didn't give me the money, I would turn the water off. And he says, and, and Leon was saying, no, but I'm telling you, I've spoken to Yvonne. She's going to give you the money plus some as soon as she gets here. It's only when she gets here and then everything will be all right. And he's going, is that right? And he's going, yeah, yeah, that's right. And he says, really? And he's going, yeah, yeah, really. So stands back against the wall and he turns around to me and says, is that right, Yvonne? And I went, no. <laughs> and, like, Leon didn't know where to support himself. Although neighbours had reached breaking point with Charlie and were telling Yvonne to get rid of him, sympathy was high for Charlie's young child and people had been taking the toddler in, feeding and washing the youngster. But even for Yvonne, there was a limit. He kept demanding money off me all the time and every time it was 500 euros until he got to a stage where it's kind of like, no, and he started to get angry. I was kind of like, no, and, you know, nah. Ain't happening, and so I stood my ground, and um, I think then he he realised that he wasn't getting his way anymore. It nothing what he wanted to happen wasn't going to happen. Did you ask him to leave? That I said to him, you do realise you've been made on your contract now, 
And so I want you out and I want you out like as soon as possible within within the next I'll give you seven days notice to get out. And he turned around and looked at me straight in the face and he went, I'm going nowhere. And that is why that is when I thought, I'm going to the police. So the next morning I went to the police, told them everything that had happened, gave them um all the evidence that they needed. Yvonne informed the police that she had not only told Charlie to leave, she had also given him written notice. GNR said, if he is not gone on the seventh day, we will go up there and remove him. Fine. And he waited till the seventh day and he went. When she was finally able to survey her home, she confirmed that sure enough, little to nothing had been fixed. Instead of completed repairs, she had been left with utility bills, dirty furniture and the undeserved humiliation of having been conned again. It's done, it's done a lot, lot of damage, not just, you know, emotionally, mentally. It's done a lot, an awful lot of damage. An awful lot of damage. It's just the way it is. I mean, it was supposed to be my, my pension, my retirement home. Um, the only home, you know, and it's just, it's not. Um, I, I now have, um, I now suffer from fibromyalgia and they reckon that started from the stress of it all. And so now I can't work if I wanted to. This is a side that criminals don't see, you know. It's not just, the fact that he stole the money, it's not that, you know, that's a small factor. The other is the aftermath of it all. The side they don't get to see because they run away from it all, they can go off and hide. We don't get to hide. We get. We have to live it. You know, it's, it's, a, short, it's a short thing for them when they commit the crime. Like, over me, it was over a few months. For, that, for him, it was over a few months with me. But for me, with him, this isn't going to go away, ever. He probably doesn't even remember me. The Portuguese expat community is a close group, and it wasn't long before word again spread about Charlie, the travelling con man. The connection was made between his previous theft from Hazel in France and his current scam in Portugal, and the police became more and more interested. But of course, Charlie was also well aware that people had cottoned on to his scams. And true to form, he made a break for the border. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It was now heading into 2018. Charlie, now travelling as Leon, and his family 
had left Portugal and driven to the United Kingdom. They were now living in Cornwall, in the country's rugged southwestern tip. It was winter in the Northern Hemisphere, and they were facing one of the coldest times of the year, with daily temperatures often refusing to budge over 5 degrees Celsius. With little money and nowhere to live, Charlie, his young wife and their toddler were in dire straits. The digital word was catching up with them, and talk had spread about their scams. Their Facebook pleas for work were being ambushed by warnings, but much more importantly, social services were now aware of them and becoming increasingly concerned about the living conditions Charlie was choosing for his young child. They didn't have sufficient warm clothes or access to enough hot water and food. They were sleeping in their car and had registered with local food banks. Things had hit an all-time low. Over the coldest winter months, Charlie, Lily and their toddler had gone to stay with Jerry, who offered them accommodation on his rural property. And this was how I found them. Charlie had posted a picture of a yurt on social media. Now these Asian-style circular tents aren't that common, so I did a reverse image search with the photo they had posted. These searches throw up other open source sites that have uploaded the same image. It's a handy tool, and anyone can use it. It was this that led me to Jerry's website. He lived in a small country town, and it wasn't long before Charlie's arrival had attracted the interests of local authorities there. Charlie couldn't understand how. You're in a rural community, mate, and everybody knows everybody else's business. And if something um, untoward um, comes into the community, pretty soon the word goes round. If you were in a city... You could park your car on one street, walk round the corner, change your coat and put on a hat, and you disappear into the crowd. But you're not in the city, you're in the country, and everybody knows everyone else's business. That's how they knew, mate. Charlie and Lily had outstayed their welcome in Europe, and their dream of sailing around the world was losing any chance of becoming real. It was now March 2018. I had been chasing Charlie's tail for almost seven years. My now personal investigation was about to take a very dramatic turn. Charlie needed to get out of Europe. With an arrest warrant out for him in New Zealand and in Australia, I thought there was very little chance of him returning to this side of the world. With a young family in tow, it wasn't so easy for him to disappear anymore. However... Charlie had had his hand forced and had already planned his next move. This is Lily's mum. Please try and listen here. The quality of this audio isn't great. She's in America and I was recording the conversation on my phone, so the signal wasn't exactly the best. And so um, when they got in the UK, the Child Protection Services over there contacted me and told me that if I didn't get and and, uh, out of there, they were going to... um, Take her away from them at that point. So I flew her over here in the States. That was like uh, just last year. And then, that's, and then we had to fly uh, part of the agreement with the flying uh, Liam to New Zealand. Did you get that? Basically, the social services were so concerned about the young child that they had contacted Lily's mum. She had to get Lily and her grandchild home, or they would have no choice but to take the toddler away from both its parents. Charlie, whose motivation is always to find shortcuts to get the things he felt entitled to, 
decided that if he were going to agree to his wife and child being flown back to the USA, the least Lily's parents could do was to pay for his flight to New Zealand. It was a very risky move on Charlie's part, but he didn't seem to think so. After all, he had successfully changed his identity and the arrest warrant was in his old name. He must have thought he would be home free. But he hadn't taken one thing into account. The cyber trail he was leaving behind. Charlie had a collection of different email addresses. One of them was for Kiwi Creations by Leon Freeman, offering general handyman and building work. I sent an email posing as someone looking to have maintenance done on my property. I said I was in the UK, his last confirmed location. Within the email, I had embedded a hidden tracker which enabled me to confirm his IP address. From that IP address, I could ascertain the country he was in and narrow his location down to a specific city. When the tracker alert came through, I was stunned. He was in New Zealand. Not only that, he was in Auckland. He did it. I couldn't believe it. He had somehow made it back into the country. Leon Charles Freeman, Charlie's legal name, was wandering around New Zealand without a criminal record. Don't ask me how this happened. I can't tell you, and representatives from Border Control have not been able to answer this question either. Perhaps it was the age of the warrants or a continuation of the failure to transfer his criminal record from one identity to the other. Who knows? But either way, Charlie was now back in the motherland. But what Charlie didn't realise was that by deciding to relocate to Auckland, he had now returned to my home city, the city where I was once a police officer and the place where I still had many valuable contacts. I grabbed my little black book, contacted Interpol, called my husband, packed a bag, and booked my flight. Tick-tock, Charlie. Your time's running out. Next time on Chasing Charlie. So I've just left the police station, and I have got some great news. I finally got the green light that police are going to support me in arresting Charlie this afternoon. Oh, wow. I've only got a couple of hours before this is actually happening and I'm over the moon. I'm obviously trying not to celebrate too early because anything can happen, but considering I've been here a week and this wasn't happening up until about 10 minutes ago, I honestly couldn't ask for anything more right now. (laughs) Julie, you have no idea what this means to me. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, leave a review and recommend to another true crime fan. Make sure to subscribe to Chasing Charlie on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the latest instalment. If you have further information on this story, please reach out to us at chasingcharlie at fremantle.com. 
The content of this podcast is a result of Julia Robson's investigation into Charlie and information provided to her by his victims. Some names have been changed to protect the identities of those involved. Chasing Charlie is a Fremantle Australia production. Executive producers Jesse Klass and Liz Burnett. Series producer Rebecca Vallis. Original concept and writing by Julia Robson. Edited and mixed by James Ezra. With additional editing by Katie Morris. Recording and technical assistance by Alex Elliott. Legal and business affairs by Maddie Marchant. Recording assistance by Brendan Ganey and Tom Lawton. With additional research by Georgina Rain. Stefan Dennis plays the voice of Charlie. If you have been affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast, please contact Lifeline on 13114, Beyond Blue on 1300 224636, or another crisis hotline in your local area. We are grateful for the help of the victims and families involved in creating this podcast. Thank you.